Hey guys, it's Eliza, and I wanted to dedicate the High Priestess episode to Noel, my rat who passed in between sessions of recording the episode. They just live, sadly, such a short time for how wonderful they are. I think it's interesting that rats tie into our eighth house topics. They're the taboo animal. (laughs) They don't have the best reputation in mythology and folklore and even history with the Black Plague. And yet they've survived and they are resourceful, um, like the magician. And then interestingly, I just learned that they uh, have powers of prophecy. They'll actually abandon ship. They know there's imminent danger. So I thought it was completely appropriate to dedicate this episode to them. Hello friends, welcome to the 8th house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore, through the lens of the tarot, the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. Priestess. Hi, everyone. Did you want to start by talking a little bit about Noel? Yeah, I did want to mention about Noel. But Noel, was, um, Noel passed away on Tuesday, which is really strange because we did our High Priestess episode and it was like he wanted to hang out and mm. wait to mm-hmm. hear that. Yeah, I feel like it was really strange. Um, that was a hard one because he was, he was almost... The high priestess of sorts himself. He was like in between worlds Mm. as it was. I swear he just soaked up everyone's suffering. There had been a lot of loss and he was just like, I'm going to take it all for everybody. Almost like a saint or something, like sacrificed himself Mm. for everyone. And then so when he goes and Mm. I'm in the, you know, like we almost reverse roles and it's not just him, but anyone, I feel like I do this with animals where they take on things for me, mm-hmm. for me. And it's not, it's an, obviously it's an unspoken exchange where they help me by taking my energetic burden. And then when it shifts, when they need me at the end of life, it's really hard because it's like they've taken everything, all of my stuff. And helped alleviate that suffering from me having to carry it all alone. And then so when it gets to the end of their life, it's like I'm taking back all my own psychic stuff plus mm-hmm. plus giving that to them, you know, returning the, mm-hmm. the gift, the, the favor. Oh, well, thank you for sharing <sighs> that. Oh, I feel like there's so much I need to talk about and go through, like, as a mothering person right now mm-hmm. with the loss of my baby you know with the mm-hmm. but I I think I want to save that all for motherhood which is represented most by the empress mm. I was just thinking that maybe the high priestess is the divine feminine you know embodied and then the empress is like the divine feminine with her masculine embodied or something or like Who's, who's, who's able to 
turn on the more, I like to call it potential energy versus masculine. I like thinking of like masculine energy being potential and feminine energy Mm -hmm. being creative or um, moving, like kinetic maybe. Fluid, like fluid? Or like the thing that moves that potential energy to make something happen. So like I'm trying to mm. I'm like in <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to define masculine and feminine energies without using that terminology because I yeah. feel like it's super limiting in how we're able to like picture the two because we have you know mass the words masculine and feminine are so conditioned to mean a certain thing and I just don't think it should anyway I think that's what we're ending up doing unintentionally with words that hold us back or limit us they end up limiting us because we can't just go ahead and just talk you know true like we we might just have to deal with the vocabulary that is yeah i understand that yeah available right now yeah (laughs) like it's it's not really our like we're we're not reinventing the wheel as they say i don't know i kind of think i kind of think i want to we are? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think that's, I mean, that's fine. That's I just don't want jobs. it to like hinder our ability to discuss that. Oh, for sure. Thing. Yeah. I think I'm just playing around with trying on some new, yeah. some new words just to see if it feels like it makes sense. And maybe, maybe, you know, the whole universe really is, you know, the joining of two energies. I just don't know why. I just don't think we have to call it masculine and feminine because I think that personifies something that can't be personified. And Mm -hmm. I know that archetypes are just that, but in their essence, the energy of those archetypes aren't actually female or male. We just make them that to, to have them make sense to us. Yeah. Yeah. I will admit I've been a little lazy and complacent when I talk about like he, she in the, you know, and I'm referring to an archetype as a gender. It's it, it's a lot of the argument that is coming up in tarot decks is like there's a lot of shifts and a lot of need for deck creators to be more inclusive of um, actual he, the human experience, and it's not binary. It's mm-hmm. it's um it's all over the place, but so. Kudos to those people who can really tap into the, like, capture the energy in a card without making it one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really wonderful thing. Yeah. That's why I like how my deck is nature. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Totally. I I wouldn't call it one thing or another. Like, I've always been really terrible at naming or titling Mm -hmm. my images. Because of that, I don't want to. I don't want to label everything. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I think of the high priestess, I have to also think of the empress and think about what might be kind of the the differences. That's so funny because them. I wanted to start by saying the difference that I saw in the magician versus yeah. the yeah. high priestess since they go in order. Um, yes, so the please. magician, I, I think I spoke about it just a bit, but since we're now on the high priestess, the difference, I think, is so the magician is more about manifestation and it's more of an outward expression of energy, whereas the um, 
typically maybe thought of as male, um, more forceful. Um, whereas the high priestess is like a sorceress who goes into trance and she has inner knowing. It comes to her from a receptive, passive, you know, she's not acting. She's not manifesting. It's not an action. It's a receiving. So I just wanted to point that out, that difference out okay. first. And then, yeah, go ahead. I love that so much. Um, what, what was I saying? <laughs> no, you were about to say, I was interested in your, um, Oh yeah. you were talking about the difference between the high priestess and the empress, which I relate right. a whole lot more to the empress. So, right. okay. I, but I'm jealous because uh, I, I love the high priestess and I always wished I were that like mystical person, but I think I'm more of just, an, an earth mother. <laughs> I think the ma magician and the high priestess are, um, to me, they are like two sides of the same coin. Whereas, um, I like where you're going with this. So go ahead with the, the high priestess empress. Okay. Um, I think of, I think of the empress having that, having, having knowledge, but being able to use it in a kind of not you know more masculine energy way where she's using her knowledge to guide a like a group or like a people gosh i wonder if the empress is kind of like using that high priestess energy to manifest like, she's almost action. like a magician she's like yeah, the in between like, she's a magician and then of the high priestess <laughs> <laughs> ah, <laughs> I'll take it. And then the um the high priestess is more like like you were saying like in the that receptive mm -hmm. like she goes inside mm -hmm. she receives the wisdom that she knows exists because she's connected to all the be yeah. all beings and all knowledge, you know like she has, um I think of the empress as I mean you know just like your classic kind of emperor only leading with more inwardly focused wisdom just maybe the difference between male and know. female wisdom kind of like it's because you're also when you're describing this you're describing the emperor maybe which they're I, sort I, of I, I, archetypes of mother and father figures so okay like um when i think of the high priestess i think of the witch archetype mm -hmm, i yeah. think of like i call it sorceress um, but know, yeah just, yeah, oh, totally. Witch. Okay, so yeah, witch, you know, the part of us, things. the part of us who, who defines our power by the trust we have in our intuition. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm dealing with this small part of me that's like still kind of afraid to claim myself as witch, as medium, as psychic, because. I know it's going to be met with a lot of like, okay, like, so you believe that your intuition knows more than science or knows more than this or that. And, and that's the thing, like, to me, like the, the high priestess or the witch archetype is the one that says, yes, I trust my intuition because I know the wisdom and I mean, the, the amount of effort that has gone into all living beings to create that space where I'm receiving knowledge from when I tap into my intuition. And so I don't know if, if that, would you say that the high priestess is the archetype who trusts intuition as the source yeah. of all knowledge? 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah, there's no doubt and questioning. It's just what she receives, and the, that is the truth. And I, I don't even know if she has a conscious thought about it to judge whether or not. I don't think that's even the case. I think we're talking about primordial womb-like knowledge that just is um, instead of scholarly knowledge. However, in the classic version and in most Rider Waite Smith knockoffs where you see she is actually holding a scroll and it is the Torah, the Jewish Bible. Um, I don't want to misspeak, but I, I'm pretty sure that's the document she's holding, a scroll of that. And then there's something where the, the columns on either side of her stand for, there's one that says B and one that says J, and they have to do with some Hebrew um, spiritual script. So I also question or wonder what the difference is between her and the Hierophant. Because she is like, she was the Pope S in the classic Marseille deck, whereas the Pope was the Hierophant. So they were counterparts to Major Arcana 2 and 5. So, because you have the Fool, the Magician, the Empress, the Emperor, and then you have her and the Hierophant. So she is like, just as the Hierophant holds the key to esoteric knowledge and is able to share it with others, like he sort of stands for the in-between um, divine knowledge and the people. She, on the other hand, closes her eyes. She's most often pictured as closing her eyes. There's a crescent moon. She's dipping her toe into water, which is very symbolic of intuition and just letting information be received so it's like she's going into trance or meditation to gain information whereas the more masculine cards are are going outward they're they're giving something and she's she's on the receiving end but it's incredibly powerful yeah. Um, I just loved when you were talking about the Hierophant and, and some of um, the Hierophant's qualities because in the deck that I'm most familiar with, the Hierophant card is, is the guide. And yeah. so what, as you were explaining how he's, or they, are kind of the the, the liaison between yeah. that, in, that knowledge and then the living the, the physical aspects of life <laughs> yeah i love that it made sense to me why he would be or they would be considered a guide that's so right for that right too. yeah it's a slight difference but i think those are two, uh, those are the most accurate counterparts in the um the high priestess and the because it's the pope and the popus or the sort of mm -hmm. the mystic couple you know the mystic mm -hmm. knowers keepers of um esoteric knowledge with one mm. one focused on the within and one that brings the knowledge to others so they might consult each other they might you know she might go into a trance to get her information and then she quietly speaks it to him or maybe it's not necessary i'm not exactly mm -hmm. sure if that information 
comes out. So that's a really yeah. interesting. That's so interesting. You know, like, is she, is she the information? Is she representing that space itself? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think so. Like, say, <laughs> say so for example, I just want to refer to, like, the notes that I had on this episode. So I have meditation, trance, going inward, the moon, the subconscious, clairvoyance, ESP, psychic ability, seeing through the veil, the seer, silence, um, darkness, vision, esoteric knowledge, intuition, past lives, dreams, um, mm -hmm. all that sort of information. Um, mm -hmm. And lastly, I just want to point out womb. She's very womb-like. Um, the knowledge that you gather in that time of silence and in effect, it's sort of a meditation. It's sort of a liminal space. So I like that you said that it represents the space. Because imagine, mm -hmm. like, say for you as a psychic medium, if you're doing a mediumship reading, I'm imagining that the space that you enter and get, gather information is, is represented well by high priestess. And then maybe when you share the information, you become the Hierophant. How interesting. I tend to see that space where I go as just a level of awareness where That's consciousness exists. You know, awareness exists in its most truest form. Yep. And, um, and that's where I like to think I go. You know, I'm not yeah. going to... You know, some people call it heaven. Some people call it the spirit world. Some people call it who knows what. But um, my particular belief is that it's we're all in we're all in the same place. Um, but it's a different level of awareness. I don't know if I explain so that as well as I, I wanted. And to, I but. think it's I think it's passive that was the key is that you're not intentionally like you're not willfully executing something as though as the magician does or that or as I, the higher yes. teaches you're actually just there and you're you're soaking up this stuff whatever it is that is at one with your awareness there's not any conscious sort of like choice or judgment or decision being made or like how you're gonna relay that knowledge um yeah so it's really interesting to me that she has a scroll because it's like is that something that's just a part of her? Like, is it representing, like, she just has a knowing? Right. She's, right. she's a true mystic, I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're almost, you know, when we're, when we meditate or when we get in that spot, instead of thinking of it in terms of I'm choosing to enter this space that I'm not usually in, it's just remembering that we are that space. It's memory. It's like the the yeah. um, limbic system or something. Yeah, it's funny because it's called the liminal space. Yeah, I just <laughs> thought of that too. I love words. Um, um, yeah. I just had a flash about something that I have to share is that um, as much as I don't, I don't consciously think of myself as the witch archetype or anything, I definitely know that I have psychic abilities and all that stuff. Um, 
I'm in tune with something that I can't explain. I always have been. And um, I am just more of a thinky person. And so it always seems to, um, when I try to meditate, for instance, it turns into words and thoughts and judgments. Mm -hmm. And so that is where I'm envious of people who are able to just go back to that space and just be at one with it and not allow Mm -hmm. the mental capacity to come back in. Um, I mean, those are going to come anyway. It's it's changing your relationship with them that then keeps them at bay. Like having a conversation with them in meditation is totally fine. Like you can say things like, oh, I'm thinking. Okay, I'm trying not to think right now. So go ahead. And then you just try to get into that place of awareness. Yeah. So because we are in these bodies, we're going to have thoughts. And we're humans. And I think that's why I gravitate towards animals and nature because they give me... I always consider it more empress because the empress is usually like the earth, you know, like I picture her like in charge of all the earthly sensual stuff, you know, that you can touch and feel and hold and mm. be a part of in the sensual realm. Like mm. just being with animals and hanging out in nature and feeling, feeling things like touching them, mm. having sensation. Um, but then there's the, part of me that says, well, that's how I tap into my high priestess. That's how I go to mm-hmm. that meditative place. Because when I shut my eyes and I go inward, it's just thought. So when I do sense related things, it helps yes. me go to that place that that's has no so thought. so interesting. I mean, I feel like that's like kind of how I see you as existing all the time, just as pure awareness. <laughs> honestly and that's kind of the goal of meditation it is it's like you know we meditate so that we can be present in the moment and yeah see feel the things and see the things and i guess there's maybe a, a a fear for me because i've always had insomnia and problems with sleep and there's like a letting mm-hmm. go that's involved and mm-hmm. i always block myself with my thoughts and so the high priestess is is sleep and dreams and it's something that's always caused me like terror like I can't do it I can't just let mm. go <laughs> it's uh-huh and it's so strange because I am fine talking about dying and people crossing over and it's like a totally different thing when it's talking about your body and like losing consciousness that's mm-hmm. another thing yeah. like maybe drug things I've always just never I've never done drugs just because I can't stand the feeling of losing consciousness Mm -hmm. against Mm -hmm. my control Mm -hmm. um I know some people seek that out interesting I mean I have similar experiences with falling asleep also and so that's kind of interesting I wonder if um that's probably a place to explore some of that um, yeah, definitely sleep. Sure. I think that this would be the sleep episode if we were to talk about it, because it's definitely <laughs> oh yeah sleep and dreams and um, going into trance type mm-hmm. energy. I had the most lucid dreams. I forgot about those. Oh yeah, lucid. Oh, I love lucid dreams. Um, I had some. I I feel like I'm still exhausted from my dreams last night, 
and they have been so bizarre. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I want to share some of mine too. Really, I yeah. I dreamt that I was the caretaker of a beluga whale. Oh but no! It fit okay. in my, oh my but god! But it fit in Wait. my arms. <laughs> what? 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 Did you too? I had the same dream. <laughs> I swear, Sarah. Shut I'm freaking out right now. Your mouth. Yeah. Tell I mean, me about I, your dream, and I'll tell you mine. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't spend as much time as I usually do, like trying to remember all of the details. But the most important part. Okay. <laughs> this is crazy. I was like, we were, we were on a cliff. And there was a very, very, very rickety staircase. I want to say like 200 feet into an ocean. Shut up. Me too. Shut oh up. What's happening right now? <laughs> Stop. I know. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's freaky. But and it was, makes sense. Okay. You, but I, this is the type of thing that you and your sister do? Have the same? Um. No. Like, we haven't done that okay. in a long time. No, we haven't. You share a dream. I've had sh- that happen too. Yes, in yeah, our when ahead. we were younger, we would dream at the same time. Um, and all I know is like I was holding on to this beluga whale, like but it fit in my arm, so it wasn't like huge. And I had to slowly, like, like I it was so heavy. I'm talking like so heavy, but I had to get this thing down these steps. And I knew it was going to take me, I'm talking a very long time, like a very long time. I was like, and because I had to go really slow because he was going to slip out of my hands and just fall. Um, oh my God, I'm just realizing now there, I had a whole separate other dream of being on a boat. Oh my God, I had a lot of dreams last night. There was a lot of water in my dreams, I guess I'll just say that. Um, but pretty much I just remember um, that's the most important part of that, of that dream. I was like going down this staircase trying to hold this very heavy thing in my hand so that I could release it somehow wow yeah was there a staircase in your dream yep and I was in the like at the ocean was yours in day or night mine was at night it was at nighttime so maybe we can make sense of it I'll tell you what happened in mine I was traveling and I was out of town and I went into some little library which I love libraries and so it was a little tiny small town library I go in and it's like apparently open 24 hours kind of like those little prayer spaces you see like for people on the streets that Mm -hmm. they need to come in and and pray or whatever um like an urban setting type thing but I it was open and there was um some kind of orange glow similar to a fire and it was ahead of me and I was really just relaxed in this little nook and I started reciting some poem and some creepy man's voice was like mad at me and thought I was somehow being unfaithful to him was the vibe Like he was jealous of whatever I was talking about and thought I was referring to someone else. And I'm (laughs) like, who are you? I'm thinking, who who is this person? But I was scared. It was like definitely like a fearful uh, threat, you know? Like I didn't know who he was, why he was thinking he knew me or could um, 
get angry with me about what I was saying or interpret it some way. I, I, it was like a voice hmm. and it, um, came out of nowhere. And then this young librarian came out and stood up for me and she said, what are you doing, sir? This is not your home. You need to leave. And <laughs> it was pretty awesome. And I was like, then they just both disappeared, <gasps> but it mm. gave me time to get out. Mm-hmm. And I ran and I ran down these steps. It was sort of like mountainous, but on the coast, um, closest thing maybe I can think of is like Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. But I've had this spot in my dreams a lot. I don't even know. It's almost like this curve. So it's like the spot that is sticking out in my head. It was like this curved road, a big hill. That's how I got there. So when I left the little library, it was pitch black. It was a small town, no street lights, And I'm like running and I find myself running down these like a boat dock stairs, right? Mm-hmm. So like they're metal and you can kind of see through them, mm-hmm. you know? They're like almost a mesh metal. Mm-hmm. Um, they were white, but I'm like running down and I get to the bottom where like several different steps, stairs um, meet and it's sort of a platform mm-hmm. over the ocean or sound or whatever I was on. And there was a huge circular opening in the middle of it and um i became aware that something was coming through just this huge force and i was like oh my god these dolphins they were dolphins they were two dolphins and they kept taking turns coming up through this opening as Mm. if to like Say, hey, you're okay. You're with us now. Look what we can do. Like, join us. Oh, my God. And I know. And they did it a couple times. And then the smaller one got hurt and, like, knocked itself unconscious. And I was holding. (gasps) And come to think of it, it was a lot like a beluga whale. It was like that facial. Mm -hmm. And I used to call my daughter a beluga whale. She looked just like. Her no little way. squishy face oh my with the wide apart eyes. And um, oh so gosh. it was almost like I was holding her as a beluga whale, which was a dolphin a minute ago. But mm-hmm. I'm just like, whoa, what are these similarities here? It ended up okay. Yeah. <laughs> the difference in our dreams, I think, is um, like yours was weight was the challenge. Mm. Mine mm-hmm. was um, trying to get the whale to uh, regain consciousness Mm because I didn't know like I was about to have to do CPR but it ended up coming too and Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to do CPR I'd be afraid I wouldn't know how to do it in the heat of the moment but um yeah it's just it's It's... interesting we both had like a (laughs) I know a challenge (laughs) so yeah the dream stuff is fascinating I just wanted to share um, a couple other One, a lucid dream and one, a shared dream real quick, uh, just as an example. Um, And I don't know if this is similar to what you and your sister did, but I had a first love um, that when I was a teenager, we would, you know, sleep next to each other. And uh, he was very in tune himself. Um, In fact, he had like visions when his, 
he was very close to his grandmother and step-grandfather and he I was a part of this too we would dream together and his his uh step-grandfather passed and he knew it it like he came to him mm -hmm. and I also had the dream so we woke up when we were both like we almost didn't have to talk about it um and another time it happened where we were both in the same natural setting and I guess he talked in his sleep and he was like oh gosh look at that crystal clear water and I was like yeah <laughs> and I was like what how did we do that <laughs> what did we... like how are we in the same place in our subconscious that is crazy yeah is that, that what is... you guys would do not exactly I feel like what you just described is more likely a shared death experience where somehow, since both of you were in the same receptive state of sleep, you were receiving this message from his loved one. And I don't know if that means he was like his consciousness or his energy body was in the room with you. And that's why you were also receiving because there's actually this study that recently came out of, I think, 200 and something people who've had experiences of shared death. Um, it actually happens like 70% of the time remotely where you're nowhere near the person who is dying. And so it, and it almost always happens in that dream state, but it's, more common than you think that people receive a message at the exact time of passing of a loved one. I just think that's so cool. Now I'm thinking of a few different things because sometimes I think when I'm awake and Dylan, my husband is asleep, I like I can pick up like I get images in my mind, just random ones. And I and I wonder if I'm just like because his when we're asleep, you know, our 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 soul our essence kind of takes over and astral body maybe yeah, yeah so i'm like i wonder if well, you know like if we leave you know this you know if we leave our our uh boundaries a little bit open especially when we're in bed and mm -hmm. i just wonder and maybe that's why i'm scared of it <laughs> well yeah i mean i just wonder how much of his energy is entering mine and how much of that stuff we're we can pick up in the dream space and stuff. But what Jessica, what would happen with Jessica and I, we would, um, we would lucidly dream together, but so we'd also sometimes um, sleepwalk together <laughs> inside of a dream. Oh my god! I've never sleptwalked before. In, in, I mean, this probably ended, you know, when we outside were outside of that nine or ten years old, and that's usually when that stuff is like the most potent. You know, like, you know, by the time we turn eight, we've been corrupt by society enough to not yeah. enter those places as um, easily but yeah we would that was sort of the peak of mine like mm. oh maybe yeah nine ten ah well you oh, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like you even though it started early I'm not saying like I didn't have it before but that was like I think the world encroached on me uh -huh. things like um hearing about religious stories mm -hmm. um kind of obsessing about them and what did they mean and were they real and like mm -hmm. horrible nightmares that came from that and well, just um thinking I saw the devil and you know ugh. or maybe I did <laughs> like, yeah 
I, I don't like light frivolity at all. <laughs> so, um, so in other words, I asked for it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I, I know that I'm aware of that, but it's still difficult. I'm so used to having pain and suffering that I almost don't agree that it's suffering. It's like, cathartic to me but sometimes it does get exhausting it's just like i just want to put it down for a while you probably i don't know i feel like you have a thicker like skin for like not letting other people's ideas or beliefs really? yeah like you you have your way of i think that's how i've coped oh I yeah think that's the result of being way too vulnerable oh. to other energies yes yeah. yeah i don't know i just think i guess what i'm saying is like it feels like you never lost that like innate connection mm. oh i see you know to being open yeah no i do yeah that's what i'm saying like you're always open which you know has its gifts and like you said has its challenges also so um yeah I think why I prefer relationships with non-human animals is because a lot of that, um, a lot of the talking that humans seem to think is necessary is just not even a factor. You're just right there in the instinctual, intuitive exchange, the communication that happens without verbalization. So in my deck, in my deck, I know that I used, um, I think I, I mentioned what the classic card is, but um, I just wanted to mention, I chose a moth because I did like natural um, things, creatures, plants and mm -hmm. whatnot. And um, I don't know, this moth in this white cloak, I, I, I know she's associated with the moon. Um, so maybe the white signifies mm -hmm. the the moon, the lunar energy, uh, the illumination, the glowing of Ooh. this. Oh, yeah. Reflective, receptive um, energy. So I wanted to say that when I was, mm -hmm. you know, I was just grappling with whether I have high priestess in me or whatever. And so I just, I had a flash of when you said it represents this space. I was like, oh my gosh. So when I was a baby, right? I was like one of the first older cousins in our whole big family. My mom has five. She's the eldest of five girls, women now. <laughs> um, so they would meet up. We were in upstate New York at the time and I was a baby and everyone would meet to rent a house for like 10 days at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And um, like every few years. So I was, I had three older cousins all by the second sister um no one else had kids yet they were friends they were you know young adults they were all just hanging out so there were just four kids me being a baby and um one night speaking of people having the same dreams like five people that were there woke up and said oh my god eliza is she okay is she gonna be okay let's let what i had a dream oh my gosh and they were all going on about they all had the same dream that i was under water looking up with like serene eyes and oh my gosh 
they were all they were all convinced i was going to drown i was in danger so they were like keep her away from the ocean oh my god you know this is crazy and they actually called in an astrologist um and he did my chart and they told him about the dream that so many of the family had um and there i think there was a friend who was very witch-like that had the same dream and his assessment was based on my astrological chart um i have almost entirely all air planets um and my moon in aquarius i think is the one that caused this sort of energy about me he said no 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 she is just like uh she's in some substance that we don't even know about it's very futuristic it's very esoteric <laughs> it's and so i'm thinking what is it space is it now that i know Ooh. the internet exists like maybe it was that you know but she's looking he's like so everyone is saying that she was awake and looking out from within the substance and so I don't know he just was like no I think it's incredible I think she's like a visionary and she's here to bring awareness help society mm -hmm. you know things like that but she's almost like behind this mysterious veil <laughs> so I always think about that and wow. I'm like wow maybe there is something that, that is, is so cool mysterious than I give myself credit for <laughs> I have just always loved um analysis mm -hmm. evaluation of things and just the psychology and the symbolism and so I love to uh I just gravitated towards mm -hmm. it I read and read and read about astrology the personality aspects now don't don't ask me to like look at the graphs and the charting and the lines and the numbers mm. and stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not good with that stuff. But mm. um, I once I and likewise, I was not natural at understanding the tarot until I found what I needed. I found that there was a connection to astrological personalities and things. It's like, that's what I was looking mm. for to be able to go, aha, light bulb moment. Oh, okay. Now it makes sense because I'm so, um, Zodiac personality oriented that once I made that connection, it all made sense. Mm. So, awesome. um, luckily I didn't have to almost redo it. It was just like an expanded Zodiac. <laughs> So I know tarot is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And I like that you have a completely different background perspective as not someone who um, that's how it made sense for mm -hmm. you. you. It makes sense for you on its own. Mm -hmm. I had the same um, curiosity and insatiable interest in reading Buddhist philosophy and the chakra system and Eastern medicine and Exactly. Yeah. Like each organ in our body is associated with a different, you know, astrology. It's like it's I've all, done papers on yeah. it. Oh, really? I know it's crazy. It's all connected, and so, and that's what I love too. Where the, the elements. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the elements are. They have basis in so many different traditions. Mm -hmm. But we're all philosophical, religious, 
-hmm. new age or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Pagan <laughs> witchcraft. I know you mentioned um, at one point of our in our conversations that um, the high priestess reminded you of Joan of Arc energy and. Yep. Yep. Well, just the fact, especially like receiving, I was trying to think of the word for it in like old religious texts where I think it's a prophet, even though prophet mm -hmm. is the one who tells of what the vision he receives is the first step of it mm -hmm. is receiving a message from a divine source. And so I mentioned Joan of Arc because, well, not only does she embody the later on the, the witch archetype, mm. which you identified right away when we started talking about high priestess, um, because people feared her association, her ability to receive um, messages from beyond an unknown source. Now, she said they were angelic like they came to her as angels and foretold what she needed to do. Um, but that was mm -hmm. in her time. And because she was a woman perceived mm -hmm. as witchcraft, she was a heretic, you know? Um, so how, how might you see us using high priestess energy archetype in our day-to-day -day lives? You know what I mean? Like how might someone recognize this inside of them it, it's something that that comes as like like you said it's very evoked by water so anytime <laughs> your eyes closed are closed you're in the dark you're in water um you're in moonlight those are all very yin things um and that is where you can typically tap into those energies so if you're feeling like, oh, you're just so like of this earth and you're just going about your daily mundane business, um, you're questioning if you have any psychic ability um, or you can't remember your dreams, um, you can try things mm -hmm. like setting an alarm. I have a, a rooster who randomly wakes me up in the middle of the night. So as Sarah pointed out, he's helping me remember parts of my dreams that I would have put aside so you know stored in some recess somewhere um but you can set an alarm to uh you know when you're in your deepest sleep typically and and then it'll startle you awake and you can write down what you were <laughs> dreaming about and maybe find some clues there mm. cards are great for tapping into um symbolism symbolism is something that's very high priestess um I'm not actually a very visual person. Like I was saying, I'm very sensory. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm more like sound and uh, hmm, motion, like kinesthetic type things. Um, that's kind of my awareness. So like echolocation. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of whales um, and dolphins. So maybe that's why we're dreaming about <laughs> sea animals. Um yeah, it's a lot like echolocation, I would say. It's something that's just very, um, when when you shut down all the things that you have to be on about, turn mm -hmm. off. And that's when the high priestess comes mm -hmm. on. Love that. Love that. Thanks so much. 
turn off the light, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Well, we love you, Nal, and we look forward to seeing you in our dreams. Bye, everyone. Bye.